This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Each episode I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. Today I'm talking to Anna Codriarado. Hello Anna, welcome to Freelance Feels. Hi Jenny, thanks so much for having me. So would you like to start by telling everybody what your freelance is and indeed if you call yourself a freelancer? Yes, I very much call myself a freelancer. Uh, I'm a freelance journalist and podcaster and also now author. Yes, tell us what's your book called? It's, It's recent release isn't it? Yes, it came out just a few weeks ago. It's called You're the Business, How to Build a Successful Career When You Strike Out Alone. Um, And it's very much a handbook for freelancers. Yeah. One thing I love about it, and I was saying to you just before we started recording, you shouldn't really judge a book by its cover, but I absolutely love the cover of your book. It's just got this amazing font and it just, the title's really striking. And when you see it, I think you feel like you're telling people you're the business like it's like an instruction as well as a book title was that yeah it was I mean I have to be fully transparent I wish I could take credit for the very clever pun that the title is but uh, it was actually my brilliant editor um at Ebri who came up with it um but yeah that's very much the point of it because the whole idea behind the book is that I very passionately believe that anyone who works for themselves you can call yourself a freelancer, you can call yourself a creative entrepreneur of whatever, you are fundamentally a business of one, you are a business, you are the whole operation. And so it's really, really important to understand all of the business skills and all of and the business side of working for yourself. But at the same time, also, all of that stuff is easy to learn, and you can do it. And so it is supposed to kind of be like, yes you are the business you've got this yeah I really love it that's brilliant tell us let's go back a bit how did you become freelance did you always want to be freelance was it a bit of a I'm often finding when I interview people it's either sort of a long-term dream or sometimes by circumstance how did it manifest for you that you became freelance a bit of both so I technically became freelance by accident in the sense that I got made redundant in a quite sort of dramatic way I suppose it was a Friday and then I was told you know the website that you're working for is being shut down give us your laptop don't come back on Monday um yeah so you know no kind of notice period no sort of easing into it just uh, like thanks see you later goodbye um and I made the decision to go freelance that weekend and I started freelancing that Monday However, I was only able to do that because I had been thinking that I wanted to be freelance for so long. Mm -hmm. And 
it was an idea that was at the back of my mind for probably, I don't even know, I mean, probably years before it actually happened. Mm -hmm. And it was really in the kind of year to 18 months before I got made redundant and went freelance that I was starting to put together a plan to go freelance. Um, And I do always wonder, you know, would I have actually done it had I not been pushed because I was really scared and I believed all the myths that I'd heard about freelancing and I was really worried about it and I did also didn't really know any freelancers so I didn't really have anyone to kind of see and talk to and just see that it was possible but yeah it's um is that kind of both that I suspected for a long time that it would suit me and that I did want to do it but it took getting made redundant for me to actually do it. And that was quite literally because I was of the belief that, well, it can't get any worse than not having a job. It it cannot get worse than this. So I might as well at least try. And if the freelancing thing doesn't pan out, I can always then look for a job. Oh, I love that. That's really like the autonomy of going freelance, even though it's really scary, that decision where it's like, and I've felt like this quite a lot over the pandemic. I don't know if you have, where it's like, well, I can't be made redundant in the pandemic and I can't be told my furlough's ending and I haven't got a job anymore. So even though freelancing is still scary because generating your own income, like you just said, okay, well, I can't get made redundant again because I'm the boss now. That is a, that is definitely how I felt. And it is, it, it, the, freelancing is really hard. You know, if someone reads my book and they conclude it's not for them, I consider that a win. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I can say about it is it you're never going to get fired from it. It, mm-hmm. it can't. Well, it's not that it can't be taken away from you. Of course, you know, look, we've had we've had the pandemic happen and people have seen yeah. their clients disappear or, you know, their work has dried up or all of these things. But however, it is still your business and you still have it. It's still fully within your power to change to be agile to adapt what you're doing it, you you can be a lot quicker on your feet I find as a freelancer um you know we're both journalists and I don't know if you feel this as well but I really really feel a lot more secure working for myself as a freelance journalist than I ever did when I was in-house um you know I just said I got made redundant but I was basically dodging redundancies up until the point that it happened. And I kind of think that it's more of a matter of when rather than if you lose a job as a journalist. Um, It's a very, very unstable industry, unstable industry. Um, There's a lot of change. It's, it's kind of, it's just, it it feels so much to me, it felt more insecure sitting when I was sat in a chair in an office working for a media company than I do out on my own where I just feel like things are, I have, I guess, a, just a bit more control over my career and what I'm doing. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the sideways moves and the pivots there, which I'm sure a lot of journalists and freelancers listening, but I think particularly journalists will think, yeah, like there's lots of people who said, okay, well, I'm going to go into content writing or sponsored content, which people also call advertorials for people that are listening that call them advertorials. But, the idea of doing some copywriting but yeah the idea of pivoting because you've got to have more than one thing that might bring the money in you delve into this quite a lot in the book don't you is kind of the, the details of the highs and lows but also the the nitty-gritty of freelancing in that respect don't you and finances and it's, it's quite a bedrock isn't it of, of getting it all right is knowing that well if client a can't pay you or client b can't pay you well hell i need to find a client c or i need to find income stream c and d and e 
it's all a bit like that, isn't it? You you explain a lot of this in the book, don't you? Yeah, I I firmly believe that everyone, no matter what industry they're in, whether they are freelance or whether they are employed, you need more than one way to make income because mm. the only thing that is certain at the moment is uncertainty. 18 months ago, could we have predicted that we would have a pandemic and then, you know, a recession and that if you're working in an industry that was directly affected by it, you could know you couldn't have. Uh, but if you've created different ways to make money it just reduces your risk just even if it just reduces your risk a little bit mm. that is really really important and really really powerful as well so I kind of come from this just general position that having more than one way to make income is really really vital um, it also just gives you options like I am of the opinion that you know money and generating wealth is a way to achieve financial freedom this isn't about getting really rich and, you know, just being able to just have money for the sake of it. To me, this is about financial freedom, financial independence. That's really, really important for everyone. It's especially important for women, um, mm. for, for underrepresented uh, communities, you know, for just, well, for everyone, to be honest. Mm. And so that's really kind of where I'm coming from with this. And then with freelancers, it's just Again, if you work in any industry that is in any way volatile, it just makes good sense to have more than one way to make money just simply because, um, well, if this client goes bust or uh, if that work dries up or if, you know, something happens in this industry, then at least I've just got other things to fall back on. And then also kind of once you that that's sort of like the that's kind of the foundation of how I approach this. But then also, on the other hand, there is this there is this other thing to consider, which is the difference between non scalable and scalable income. So again, as a journalist, the main thing I do is report and write articles for newspapers and magazines. Mm -hmm. That is pretty much a direct exchange of time for money. Um, there's obviously more to it than that, but you know, I, there's, there's only, there's a limit to how many articles I can write in a day, in a week, in a month. And if I do have financial kind of goals and aspirations, and I want to grow my business, it's going to get to a point where I've reached the limit of how many articles I can sell. And so then I need to look for more scalable income options. Like what can I do where I can make the thing once, but either sell it multiple times or it, it's made, it exists. Now I can just iterate it and the revenue can grow without me having to also put in a directly kind of proportionate amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's also part of it as well, that if you do something where you are the creative, you are the person and the thing that you are essentially selling, what are other ways, what are other things you can tack onto your business that are scalable um, and that can essentially generate not an infinite amount of rev revenue but it just yeah. has a much greater possibility yeah. to bring in um to bring in that um additional money basically yeah. that's such good advice and it's one of those things where people might see everybody at the moment i think in particular suddenly running workshops and it's like well guys if you write a workshop and it works for people you've written the workshop you might polish it a little bit you might add a bit of extra material to it or a new a new exercise somewhere along the day but generally you've written your basis there and then you can deliver that you know to lots of different people many times over that's that's why probably they're springing up quite a lot because people have realized it's a great thing exactly like you just said it's a one 
one product to many, many people, much like a book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, very much so. Yeah, you, you write the book once and you can sell as many copies as you can sell. Of course, you know, there's, it's not, this is the thing that I do. I, I think that there is, the thing that is really important to understand is there is this kind of sort of, there's been this wave of information and I this passive income kind of idea that, oh, you can do all of these clever things on the internet that mean you can make money in your sleep. And I just don't really believe in passive income. There, You have to do something. At some point, you have to do something. You either have to create the thing or you have to continue selling it. I, you know, the book, for example, I've written it, but that it doesn't end there. I have to then sell the book. I can, there is now no limit on how many copies I can sell, but of course I have to put the effort in to sell it. The difference is, is that I can kind of sell a much larger volume than when I'm just writing one article at a time. Um, so there is a difference, you know, there, there is no such thing as kind of, if, if, if there was a money tree that we could shake and the money would fall out, we would all be standing underneath it with our buckets. Um, and, and that just doesn't exist. Passive income is a bit of a red herring. So it's really important to go into these things sort of with your eyes open and, and knowing that it is going to be work. Uh, uh, you know, there's this kind of narrative of, oh, if you if you find what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm. That's a bit misleading. If you find what you love, you will work really hard and at least you will enjoy doing it. Uh, but you still will be working. There, there is, you know, there is no way to avoid doing work that is hard. And, and it's also sometimes there's bits of everyone's work that's boring. You know, no matter how big you are, you still have to go in your inbox and you still have to email people. Elon Musk is still emailing people. There's, <laughs> yeah. no, there's no way to avoid that stuff. Um, so it's just really, really important to, to kind of understand, um, just to understand that difference basically. And um, just, to, just to know that um, this stuff is hard and it comes with its, its own unique set of challenges and problems to a large extent. Uh, but the rewards are also really, really big and great for the people who want to work in this way yeah I completely agree and it's funny that the ups and downs of freelance life those rewards always remind you why you stay on this weird sort of roller coaster type journey roller coaster bit of a cliche isn't it, it came up with a chat with somebody else we were talking about freelancing being a roller coaster and whether it was a cheesy analogy but it does suit it and did you feel with that in mind I mean did you feel a responsibility writing a book sort of based on your experiences and advising others about sort of your own freelance career as well. Was, was, what were the challenges? Was there a responsibility there to produce something that informed people? Were you challenged by that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I definitely have had, I don't know, I guess, I don't know what to call it, a crisis of confidence or an exist or imposter syndrome or, or, or I guess a sort of a, a big feeling of pressure because I am a freelancer and I've written a book about freelancing. So I feel like I'm now, I put myself out there as someone who has all of the answers and I really, really don't. Um, what I did with this book is I approached it in a couple of different ways. First, my goal with it was to put absolutely everything that I know about freelancing into it. Mm -hmm. And in order to help anyone else who wants to go freelance, because the big problem that people have is freelancing is not, it's, it, this is changing, but it's still not, a, it's still not a visible career path for so many people. Mm -hmm. When I was thinking about 
what I wanted to do with my life. It it was never talked about, it was never presented to me. There was no freelancing booth at the career fair. That they didn't bring freelancers into school or university. Even on my journalism degree, where there are so many freelancers, we weren't taught to pitch, we weren't taught to be freelancers. I've never thought that, but you're right. Nobody ever said, well, you could be self-employed. Yeah, exactly. It's more kind of like if you can't get a quote unquote real job, then then you're going to go have to go and do a bit of freelancing until you can find one. Mm. That's how that was the mentality that I came from. I know this is changing a lot. You know, I, I graduated over 10 years ago now. So th- this, is, this is changing a lot. Um, but that's where I was coming at this from. So part of my aim with the book was just to show that this is what it's like. This is how it works. This is what's possible. And here's how you can do it. Here is all of the information. And then also the other hat that I was wearing when I was writing this book was my journalist hat. So there are things that I don't know. Um, You know, I am a freelance journalist. I do lots of different things in the creative space. Uh, But, you know, I have never made, for example, a physical product. Mm. Um, And there are lots of freelancers who make physical products. And so in those cases, I was a journalist and went out and found found the people to talk to who do that stuff and I included their expertise so there are lots of other voices in this book as well that aren't just my own um but yeah still even though I know all of this intellectually and I of course fully stand by the book it's still nonetheless very daunting for me to kind of feel like I'm in this position of a freelancer who talks about freelancing and sort of teaches other people how to freelance because um like I said it's I don't know all all of the answers and it can be quite scary to kind of have that uh the weight of that pressure on my shoulders uh but then I kind of just remind myself that the reason I do this and talk about these things is because there are people who otherwise wouldn't know that this is a possibility for them Mm -hmm. I, I think about kind of me six years ago sitting in a job that I hated and feeling like I just wasn't cut out to be a journalist that I wasn't cut out for the working world that there was something wrong with me because I didn't want to become a manager um, because I was struggling to kind of get an internal uh, I was an editor and I was struggling to get an internal role uh, as a writer and I was thinking that that's because I can't write because I'm not good enough all of these things when actually the problem was I'm in an environment that is just not for me and that I will be better off and I will thrive, in fact, taking a different path. Mm. Um, and it's just really about showing people that path. And if and if it's for them, then there it is. They've kind of, that's the, that's the I don't know what the analogy is. That's the sort of like the gate to it. Yeah. Well, you talk about, and this came up at your book launch, which was a Q&A, wasn't it, about the, the idea and I think Susie Dent has tweeted about this in the past that freelancers originally were sort of a, a lance for hire and I love the idea of you sort of going down a road with your lance in your hand almost like come on guys I can lead the way like I don't know it all but let's do it together a bit like that kind of you're like the at the head of the troop of lancers in the medieval times maybe but yeah do you want to tell people that I, I think you probably get asked it a lot because it's in the book and stuff but it is a lovely thing the um the yeah yeah so I um as I was research, and actually, I think I, I think I discovered this long before I wrote the book, but I, I do include it in the book. So, um, I was looking into sort of like the original definition of the word. You know, where does the origins of the word freelancer like? Where does the where does the word come from? And the first known reference to it is in Sir Walter Scott Thomas's book 
Ivanhoe, which was written in the 1800s, but it's a historical novel about um, the sort of like the, the kind of like Knights of the Round Table time. And a free lance is essentially a lance as in a sword for mm. hire. So these were medieval mercenary knights who would lease out their swords to the highest bidder and they would go and fight for whatever kind of wealthy landowner or nation or whoever just paid them the most amount of money basically and there's kind of this quote in there's this passage in Ivanhoe about how something to the effect of um any man kind of who worth his like you know who's got high value will find employment it's something to that effect and it just I just really liked I like that definition and I like that kind of the origin of the word because it sort of implies that well a that freelancers have been around for a long time and I just I quite like that yeah. and that also that this idea of just going after what you want charging your worth and being a bit mercenary about it um well that's not to say kind of like be really I, I don't mean it in the sense of like be cutthroat or anything yeah. like that but it just um it just really speaks to me for for whatever reason and I, and I quite like it so I'm I'm really happy calling myself a freelancer I know that there are other people who don't like the term um they might be coming from an industry where that's not the word they use yeah. um it is the word that journalists use it might you know there are other industries where you call yourself a contractor or um you know independent worker or whatever it might be mm. um small business owner micro business owner whatever um I just like the term and I'm happy using it um but that's the that's also the beauty of working for yourself because you call yourself whatever you want yeah exactly you can say well I am a freelancer or I'm not yeah I've, I've interviewed people who are like no 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 I don't like to use that word they want to say entrepreneur someone interviewed said um no I'm an inventor so like, okay are you a freelance inventor <laughs> yeah people have it's what works for you and you're right I think about the industry as well because I've been called when I was going for a mortgage last year and I got called a contractor and I actually felt a bit offended to be called a contractor it didn't feel right for me it just didn't sit to be called I've never thought of myself like that even though I often do work quite I wouldn't say they were watertight contracts in the media industry but I work what they call shifts so you know you go in and you work for a month for somebody and that kind of thing oh we're talking a lot about the challenges there what What's the biggest challenge for you? We've talked about sort of the juggling the clients and the money and, and all that kind of thing. What would you say is the biggest challenge when it comes to freelancing? I do think money ultimately is the biggest challenge in lots, mm. in, in lots of different shapes and forms. I've now been doing this for four years and I still struggle with the fact that I don't know how much money is going to be in my bank account every month. Like mm. I, I do still find that really hard. I do start every month thinking this is the month it's all going to collapse um, and I, I have no evidence to, sh to show that that is the case because it has always been fine. I have always made money. Everything is kind of worked out, but still it's, it's that transition of going from, you know, I used to work in house. I used to have a regular paycheck and I still struggle not knowing how much money I'm going to make that month. Um, I think also the other big problem of course is stuff like, um, again, related to money is, late payments and dealing with chasing money. So that's that's also a really big part of it. There's almost this is something I, I kind of refer to it as the emotional tax of freelancing where oh, wow. you have to like chasing money and asking for payment for work that you've done, money that you are owed. Not only is that such a waste of your time, but also it's really emotionally draining because you are having to 
have a difficult conversation and it's awkward and it's stressful and it's just this additional weight on your shoulder that someone who just gets their paycheck in their bank account every month regardless of how you know the health of the of the overall company's finances regardless of whether they've how many hours they've worked or whether they've met their deadlines or not they still get paid um it's not the case for freelancers so so yeah it's all of that stuff that i think is um is really the the hardest bit but you get used to it you do get used to it it does get easier you find you know i definitely don't stress about it as much as i did when i started out um but it's still it's still there yeah. Well, this is why I mean you campaign as well, don't you? You started the campaign Fair Fair Pay for Freelancers. That's right, isn't it? And it's like to kind of highlight this and that idea of emotional tax is really like, like I feel like I've just had a punch in my chest, not in a bad way, but in a kind of like, oh God, I feel so seen. <laughs> and people will be hearing that if they've not heard you say that before. I imagine lots of people will feel seen when you say that because yeah, that idea that um, a great example recently is I put in my invoice and I said. Um, do you have an idea of when it'll be paid? And they said, well, you've told us to pay you in 28 days. I was like, no, 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 it says within, not in. It's not like a massive deadline that you have to wait for, but they were gonna wait for 28 days and then pay me because the term said within, and I said, no, no, it's within. Like you could pay me today, that's within 28 days. But the feelings of having to say to someone, do you think you could pay me? Cause I've done that work now. It's all signed off, done. Yeah, that emotional tax. Wow, that's really powerful. Yeah, it, it's really, you just feel in a really vulnerable position mm. and it's just really belittling having to chase payments. And then that because the, the person on the other end doesn't realize that the problem is that you are chasing all of your invoices. <laughs> yeah. So that's the problem. I, I heard a freelancer put this so well once where she said, I'm making more money than when I was in a staff job so how is my bank account always mm. or is always has less money in it and it's because so much of that money is tied up in outstanding payments yeah like it shouldn't be a bonus when you're paid quickly should it, it should be exactly yeah. yeah so everybody yeah, follow fair pay for freelancers if you're not already because there's lots of information with that oh we're sort of like this really leads on to my next question, actually, because my next question is, how do you look after your mental health and well-being as a freelancer? And having talked about the emotional tax, that sounds like a huge mental health area for everybody. So what, what kind of things do you find help you to find balance when you're in those moments and other freelance lower moments? So the two things, the two things that I think are so important for mental health when you work for yourself are resilience mm -hmm. and boundaries. So the thing I learned about resilience when I was researching the book is that, and this was really game changing for me. Mm. Resilience is not a personality trait. Resilience is a skill. So the ability to bounce back and to recover quickly is not something that I am innately capable of or a skill that I was born with. Mm. It's something that I can learn and it's a practice and I can build it up which is a really powerful thing because I think people think of like, oh, so-and-so is resilient. Mm. No, they have resilience because they have practiced it. They've, they, they prioritize looking after themselves so that their cup is full and that when they need to, when something throws them off course, they have that ability to pick themselves back up quickly. 
So that was kind of one thing that I found, I find really, really helpful to know and means that I just do everything I can to make sure that I'm putting what I need first. And again, it's kind of going back to why do I freelance anyway? It's Mm. so that I have flexibility and autonomy over my schedule. And so that I can make sure that my work fits around my life and not the other way around so that I can start my day in a way that makes sense for me, um, that I can make sure that I have got time for all of the things that I never had time for when I was in a job. Um, because otherwise what the hell am I doing this for? Um, So, so that's a big one. And then boundaries, boundaries is is a huge one that boundaries is almost kind of like how you ensure that you are making time to work on your resilience. Um, I love automating my boundaries. So I have, um, an out of office that is, is permanently on my email that just sets expectations of when and how I'm going to reply to emails. Mm. Um, I, I used to use, so in terms of kind of like the money thing, um, I used to use auto reminders to chase people for money, but now, um, I've hired a freelance bookkeeper, which is such an amazing, it was one of the best investments I've ever made in my business because it's now someone else is there with me to deal with all of these money stresses. I have a person there who can help me, you know, she can help create, um, like cash flow forecasts and she keeps on top of things for me. So she's makes sure that she makes sure that every month that my expenses have been filed. And she says, Oh, you've got this bill coming up and this invoice is outstanding. And she can go and chase that invoice. Mm-hmm. Um, before I had her, what I used to do is I would set aside time for me. It made sense to do it every week. Depends kind of the nature of your business, but I set aside time every week for dealing with my invoices and basically that was kind of my hour where it was like right I'm suiting up I'm putting my armor on I'm going in and I'm going to chase these invoices that are outstanding I'm going to make sure that everything is where it should be and then that way it's kind of like I only have to deal with this I only have to go in this this sort of headspace for one hour a week rather than doing it as and when things are coming up Um, and that just really helped me with that emotional tax that I was talking about, because it meant that I was only stressing myself out in a designated time. Um, but having that bookkeeper now, just um, that's really, really been a game changer in regards to that. Uh, and it's, the, it's these things where when it is your business and it is just you, when you're making these kinds of investments, it's mm. much more, it's not, it's not a simple kind of, oh, what's the return on return on investment sort of like how much time am I saving so that I can free up to, go and earn more money it's not about that at all it's about what is this investment for me the person running the business and my well-being so that I can actually enjoy working in this way and I can actually enjoy my work um so yeah those are just some of the things that I kind of do I think those are the um those are my big tips that I'm particularly leaning on right now yeah I really love that it's funny I deciding to outsource something because you've got to spend your hard-earned cash on that thing and it feels like oh god I've got to spend money on it you feel like oh no how can I afford it and all that but I've never regretted outsourcing ever the minute mm. you do it you're like oh thank god because then you've got the headspace to think about the things that generate the money to pay for the outsourcing exactly that, that sort of equation does usually balance itself so yeah that's brilliant advice thank you very much and of course just in case you didn't have enough going on in your life I know you also have a podcast is it working tell tell us a little bit about the podcast because it's it's been really popular hasn't it It just looks at sort of 
flexible working and is, is work working T- tell us a little bit about it yeah so um i host a um podcast with my best pal tiffany Philippou, who is also a freelancer um she comes from the startup and consulting world and she's also a business coach um and the podcast is this working is it's about we say it's about the messy parts of work mm. so but really it's about careers and well-being and you know, new definitions of redefining success, Mm -hmm. working out what it means to try and make money as a creative online, all of these things. And it's just a space for us to just talk openly about all of the stories that we tell ourselves about our work and our careers, Mm -hmm. unpacking all of that and just trying to find better ways to work and better ways to think about our work as well, because this is the thing about freelancing. A lot of people say, oh, it's so niche what you're talking about. And this is a really niche book and all this kind of stuff. But to my mind, freelancing really is a reflection on what's going on in the wider workforce. And as I said to you, I felt freelancing was for me because I didn't fit in to a traditional workplace. Well, that actually there's two ways of looking at that. It's incredibly empowering that I've gone off and had this great career and all of this success and uh, doing my own thing and I wouldn't change it for the world. But the other, the, on the other half of the same coin is, I, I, you know, particularly as a woman, I shouldn't have to leave the nine to five. I shouldn't have to leave mm. the security of employment to go and feel empowered and to feel like I can work. Um, so it's all of these things. Um, it's kind of like somewhere between a chat show and kind of work therapy, basically. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the other, you know, the other big thing about the podcast that I think is really important for kind of when we're in particularly in conversations about freelancing and well-being and all of this kind of stuff is that um, we also do, we mainly do the show because it is a project for two friends to do together. Mm. Um, it does make a bit of money, but honestly it's basically just covering its costs and it's it's this is not a big revenue stream for us this is a project for us to do together because working by yourself and for yourself is hard and lonely and having a project and almost kind of this sort of small business together is really really rewarding and it's just really great to work on something with with another freelancer who just gets it yeah. uh, so that's a real big part of it as well. I really love that. So it's like a well-being tool for you guys yeah. to meet up and do all of that is like actually, yeah, like friendly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. That's awesome. Oh, Anna, thank you so much. Um, would you like to tell everybody where they can find everything? Podcast, book, you, if they'd like to work with you, everything. Tell, tell us all of the places. Um, so probably the best place to find me is I'm at Anna Cod on twitter and instagram and everything that i do is all linked there and everywhere um the podcast is called is this working and it's on all of the podcasting apps and platforms mm-hmm. uh, and the book is called you're the business uh, available in all good and bad bookshops <laughs> uh, but yeah if you find me on twitter and instagram at anacod all of everything is linked and you can follow my work and find me there Well, thank you for joining me. I wish you all the best with it. I look forward to seeing what's next. Thanks so much. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter, which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com. And for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.